You guys wonder what we're going to talk about this morning? We're going to talk about being faithful in a faithless world. What a surprise. And it's amazing to me that the tabloids make millions upon millions of dollars every year just reporting on our world's lack of faithfulness. You know, the recent reports like you saw in the video, you know, Katy Perry and J-Lo and Kim Kardashian and even the fresh prince himself, Will Smith, say it isn't so Will Smith, not him, and many other famous celebrities have all succumbed to breakups and ultimately divorce. And I recall a headline many, many years ago that got my attention because it read, and they said it wouldn't last. And the paper was celebrating the first wedding anniversary of a very well-known couple at the time whose marriage many had predicted wasn't going to last. The tabloid was gleefully proclaiming that the predictions were all wrong and that the wedding and that the, the marriage and that the relationship was really healthy and going strong. And they were talking about none other than Michael Jackson and Lisa Marie Presley, who we know now their marriage didn't last very much longer after that. Now, not only was the tabloid absolutely wrong about the state of their marriage, but it also revealed the weakness in our society in suggesting that if a marriage lasts at least a year, that it's really lasted. I mean, even Hallmark has a card that fits the mood of our times that says, I can't promise you forever but I can promise you today. Folks, we live in a world where the deepest commitment we can make is just based on that Hallmark card. And even if you don't watch TV, even if you don't recognize all the couples back there, I know you recognize one of them. I mean, I, I was looking at that, and when I was doing research, I, I didn't recognize some of those people, but I, I know some of you do, and I recognize most of them. Folks, faithlessness is all around us, and whether we want to admit it or whether we want to recognize it, it does influence us. The world's view and value system of how they view faithfulness does influence us. It is clear to me, and I think it is clear to you as well, that we live in a faithless world. But contrast that to God, God exhibits and honors faithfulness in Psalm 100, verse 5, where it reads, The Lord is good and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. While this world and all of us who are in it become more and more faithless, and the Bible talks about that, as we get closer to Jesus appearing, we're going to get less and less faithful. God has proven time and time again that He is faithful. In fact, the Bible reminds us that every time we see a rainbow, that's a sign of his faithfulness, that he keeps his promises. And every time we pick up a Bible, we remember that he said that in heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And that's found in Matthew 24. And every time we gather to worship like we did this morning with, with brothers and sisters in Christ, we remember that he said, like I prayed about, where two or more are gathered, there I am with you. That's found in Matthew 18. And every time you take a partake of communion and every time that someone answers an invitation to accept them, we remember that he said, I will be with you always, even to the end of the world. And even when you stand on the brink of death and we will all be there one day, we need to remember his promise that says, in my father's house are many rooms. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back to take you with me for where I am, there you will also be. Those are promises of faithfulness from, from God to us. 
And even Paul tells us in Galatians 5.22 that the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness along with a long list of other things. And if we allow His Spirit to work in us, then the fruit of faithfulness will be real and evident in our lives too. The more we yield to His guidance, the less fickle, the less vulnerable to discouragement and temptation we will become. But it seems to me like we're in the middle of two extremes. On one end, you have the world and its faithless value system. And on the other end, you have God's call to faithfulness. And it oftentimes seems just like really a far reach for us to do. And it's as if we're in this huge valley in this hole. And the bridge over to the world's value system is huge and shiny and comfortable. And it seems like everybody else is going in that direction, especially our friends. And the bridge over to God's call to faithfulness is not only hard to find, but once you find it, it's a lot harder to stay on it. So how do we bridge that gap? Well, we have to start by defining what faithfulness really is. And if you looked in the dictionary, you would find the technical definition for the word faithfulness. And it means to follow through with a commitment regardless of difficulty, which is a great Great answer, a great definition, but let me give you one that is going to be a lot easier to remember, and you can write this down. I, didn't, I don't have it in your notes, but it is that faithfulness is love hanging on. It is love saying, I will not quit. There may be misunderstandings. There may be disappointments. There may be discouragements, but I will not quit because faithfulness is love hanging on. I know if I, if I say I love my wife and then I have an affair, you would question my faithfulness to her. And no matter how strong my argument may be, no matter how loudly I proclaim my love to my wife, you will not believe me because my unfaithfulness negates my proclamation of love to her. And in the same way, if someone says, man, I really love the Lord, or I really love the church, and then is unfaithful, then it's hard to believe that he or she really does love the Lord. Because you see, faithfulness and love go hand in hand. You may get discouraged, you may be disappointed, but faithfulness says, even though I have discouragement and disappointment, I will not let go, I will not quit, I will keep on attending, I will stay on the relationship, I will keep on serving, because God has called me to be faithful. The Bible calls us to be faithful in all areas of our life. The Bible is filled from cover to cover on our call to faithfulness. I mean, listen to what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 4.1 says it challenges us to be faithful in stewardship. Ephesians 6.21 talks about being faithful in service. 1 Timothy 5.9 speaks of being faithful in our marriages. Revelations 2.15 speaks of being faithful in witnessing. Romans 12.12 says we are to be faithful in prayer. Colossians 1.7 speaks of being faithful in ministry. Revelation 17.14 says that we are to be faithful in following the Lord. Proverbs 31.26 speaks of being faithful in instruction. 3 John 3 says that we are to be faithful in the truth. Revelation 13.10 speaks of faithfulness even in times of persecution, which is one of the hardest ones. Revelations 2.10 says that we are to be faithful unto death. And then we will receive the crown of righteousness. And I remember a movie a long, long time ago, which was a huge hit. And you guys, some of you may remember, uh, it was called The Bridges Over Madison County. And I remember it because it was advertised as the world's greatest love story. 
No, I didn't see it, but because it was so popular, I read the reviews, and I remember that it, was, it starred Clint Eastwood, and he was a traveling photographer, and Meryl Streep was a housewife, and of course, they meet, and they begin to have an affair, and then after four days, they have to end it and go their separate ways. And Hollywood called it the world's greatest love story. Folks, this world doesn't understand faithfulness. We're up against the world whose definition of faithfulness is completely the opposite of what God is calling us to do. It doesn't have a clue as to what Paul is talking about when he says that the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. And in Luke chapter 18, verse 8, which is our key text for this morning, Jesus said this, When I, the Son of Man, return, and we're all here in this room because we know that Jesus is going to come back one day. He says, When I, the Son of Man, return, how many will I find on earth who have faith? Have you guys given any thought to that question lately? If Jesus were to return today, would he find you faithful in stewardship and in service and in your marriages and in witnessing and in prayer, in ministry and following the Lord and in instruction in truth and in the times of persecution? You know, I really believe that this morning we have to wrestle with that question because the world is teaching us otherwise and pulling us in that direction constantly. We live in a faithless world, and if we're not careful, we may succumb to the ways of this world. The Bible tells us that there are three important things about faith that we need to recognize this morning. The first one is that the Bible tells us that God is looking for faithful people. What a surprise, huh? God is physically, visibly actively taking the initiative to look at faithful people that he can bless. Second Chronicles 69 says, For the eyes of the Lord search back and forth across the whole earth, looking for people whose hearts are perfect toward him, so that he can show his great power in helping them. God is looking for people to use. And if we all get usable, he's going to wear us out. If we get blessable, he's going to bless our socks off. God is looking for people, that is a faithful people, that he can use, that he can bless. The second thing the Bible teaches us is that faithful people are really hard to find. People who trust God with all their heart and soul and their mind and their strength are actually quite rare. And the Bible says in Proverbs 26, every, everyone talks about how faithful he is, but it is difficult to find someone who really is. In other words, a lot of people talk and talk, but they really don't trust God. They trust in all their friends, maybe their spouses, maybe they, even their credit cards. I mean, they might be trusting in everything else. They, be, they say, I believe in God, but when things get hard, they don't really trust him when it comes to their finances or their health or their job. Psalm 53 says this, God looks down from heaven at the children of man to see if a single one is wise and seeks God. But all of them have proven faithless. And I want you to circle that word again, faithless. All have been corrupted, and it means corrupted by this world. And not one of them always does right. That's because faithful people are hard to find. God is looking for people to bless, but he can't find people who are blessable, who are going to live by faith. The third thing the Bible says is that faithfulness is the key. And this is a very important key. It is the key to blessing and victory. Being a faithful man or woman is a key to victory and blessing in your life and over all the problems in your life. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 
Every child of God can defeat the world. Remember, we're in this invisible world series. Uh, series. We're, we're in this war. And it says, and it is our faith, and circle that word faith again, that gives us victory. That's how we're going to overcome the problems that we have. Not by intelligence, not by our money or our creativity or our education, but it is your faith that is going to allow you to overcome your difficulties, your distress, your despair, and all of the things like that. Then it goes on to say, no one can defeat the world without having faith in Jesus as the Son of Man. And then Proverbs 28.20 is a beautiful promise from God that says, a faithful man will be richly blessed. What a promise we can find in that this morning. Folks, we as a church, we, Larry and I, and the pastors here, we pray that God would bless your life. We want God's blessing in your life. We want you to have physical blessing and financial blessing and emotional blessing. We want you to have spiritual blessing. We want you to even have relational and vocational and mental, even social blessing. We want you to experience Proverbs 28, 20 firsthand and be richly blessed. But in order for you to have that blessing, you're going to have to learn faithfulness. You're going to have to learn how God tested and how, how God grows it. So today, this morning, we want to look at five tests of faithfulness and how God uses these things in our life to build up our faith. And first, the Bible tells us that God uses little things to test our integrity. You know, we think it's the big things in life that create a leader, but that's not the case. The big crises in life reveal leadership, but leadership is not built on the big things of life. They're built on the small things of life. That's where integrity shows up. It is the stuff that nobody sees, the stuff behind the scenes. It is in the small, unseen, unspectacular moral choices of life where you and me do the right thing, but nobody's ever going to see it. God tests your integrity in the little things, and faithfulness requires integrity. Faithful people reveal their integrity in the small, unseen, unnoticed acts that nobody ever knows about. Luke 16.10, Jesus said this, Whoever is faithful in small matters will be faithful in large ones. And whoever is dishonest in small matters will be dishonest in large ones. He's saying that your public blessing as a person comes from the private integrity that nobody will ever see. Because God uses the little things to test our integrity. Not only that, but notice the next verse, Jesus says, And if you have not been faithful with that which belongs to someone else, who will give you what belongs to you? And I think he's talking about here that concept of an apprenticeship, that before God gives you something, he will often loan it to you. You know, and as a pastor, I've apprenticed under many ministries before I was able to stand up here. You know, I, you guys know that I served as a mission lay leader or lay pastor under Larry's ministry. I served as a small group leader under somebody else's ministry. I served as an elder of, a, of another church. I did all these things before God gave me my own ministry and allowed me to stand up here before you. He says, if you're not faithful with somebody else's job, who's going to give you yours? So God, number one, uses the little things to test our integrity. And second, which is very important, God uses my talents to test my unselfishness. We all, this morning, have to decide in life who or what we're going to live for. And we only really have two choices. You either go with option A, which is to live for yourself, or option B, you're going to live for something greater than yourself. 
which is what I highly recommend this morning, which is the kingdom of God to live for Jesus Christ. You're either going to live for yourself or you're going to live for something greater than yourself. When God made you, he gave you all kinds of gifts, all kinds of talents, all kinds of abilities. And if, if you've taken our step class, you, you would know that we call it your shape. And shape stands for your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, and your experiences. That's what makes you, you. And God made you, you. There's nobody else in the world that's like you. And God wants you to be you for his glory. God shaped you to serve him. And there's only one way to serve God. And that's by serving other people. Faithful people realize that their talents and their gifts are not just for their benefit. You know all those great abilities and talents and gifts that you guys have? I have to tell you that I'm sorry, but they're not for your benefit. You are giving those abilities to help other people and to make this world a better place. And God made us all different so that everything in this world gets done. Those things that God gave you, he was given to you as a stewardship. And God is watching you to see if you use them effectively in this world. And if you use it effectively on earth, he's going to give you more responsibility on, in heaven. And there's a whole lot of teaching on this in the Bible. Jesus told many parables about it, that God is studying our faithfulness. In other words, he's saying, this is a test. The Bible says in 1 Peter 4, each one of you should use whatever gifts he has received to make a ton of money, retire, and die. That's not what it says. He says to serve others faithfully. And there's that word again. Circle the word faithfully. Faithfully administering. Administering. Coming from the word administration. You guys are all managers of your gifts and of your talents. He says, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. God gave you talents, and he's watching to see if you will use them faithfully. God is watching to see if you use your time and your money and your influence, and if you use your intelligence and your brain wisely. Then he's going to give you more. Whatever we use wisely for God, he gives us more of. Have you guys ever noticed that? And there are two great themes in the Bible. One is salvation and the other one is stewardship. And they're taught from cover to cover. Salvation is, have I trusted Jesus for forgiveness? But stewardship is, what are you doing with what you've been given? And God is looking at both of these themes in your life. The third test, and if you pass this test, then God gives you a lot more blessing, is that God uses tough times to teach me persistence. And some of us are in that stage right now. And you know, the difference between faithful people and unfaithful people is that unfaithful people give up at the first sign of difficulty. Faithful people keep on keeping on. Faithful people are determined. Faithful people are diligent. Faithful people are persistent. Faithful people don't know how to quit. I mean, I'm, I'm not that smart, and I don't want any amens here. I'm not that smart. But I do know one thing. I just don't know how to quit. Because I realize that we are never a failure until we quit. And it's always too soon to quit. God uses tough times to test our persistence. And if anyone is going through a tough time recently, then this verse is for you. And it is found in 2 Corinthians 4. And it says, this is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. 
For our present troubles are quite small and they won't last very long. In other words, the stuff that you're going through right now, like the recession, it's really quite small. It's not going to last very long. And then it says, but they will produce for us an immeasurably great glory that will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles that we can see right now. In other words, let's not focus on the problem right in front of us. Rather, we look forward to what we have not yet seen, which is the reward for persevering. For the troubles we see will soon be over, but the joys to come will last forever. Folks, God is more interested in you than what you do. He's more interested in what you're becoming than what's happening to you. And God often allows trials and tribulations and troubles and problems and persistence in your life to teach us diligence and determination and character. So we can say that whatever problem or trouble that you're going through right now is a test of your faithfulness. I mean, will you continue to serve God even when life is terrible? Because it's easy to serve God when things are going great. And if you're going through a tough time right now, and I know many people are, then this next verse we really need to memorize. You need to write it down, put it on your mirror, whatever it takes so that you can use it to encourage you. And it comes from Galatians 6, 9 that says, Don't get tired of doing what is right. You will be rewarded when the time is right if you don't give up. I love that verse because it says you will. It is a promise. It doesn't say you might. It doesn't say maybe. You will be rewarded if you don't get tired of doing what is right. We all need to memorize that. The fourth thing that you need to understand is that God uses shortages to test our generosity. Faithful people are generous even when they don't have it to give. And follow me on this. Anybody can be generous when you have a surplus. It's funny because just recently we asked our college students just a a question. And the question was, what would you do if you just came across $50,000 cash? What are you going to do with that? And overwhelmingly, everyone said they would tithe to the church. But most of them, and this was a surprising part to me, most of them said that they would give away at least 50% of it. We can be generous with our energy, our time, and our money when we have extra to give. It's when we don't have enough for ourselves that God is going to ask you to be faithful. He's going to ask, will you still trust in me? It is a test, and God is watching to see who's going to be faithful. And did you guys know that the test, the asset test of your faith in your life is your finances? Nothing else but how you treat your finances. Why? Because we spend most of our time thinking and making and worrying and spending and investing and saving money. Well, no wonder it's the asset test of how much we trust God. It has to be our finances. In fact, Jesus said it like this. I tell you, use worldly wealth, which is your time, resources, energy, money, to benefit others to make friends for eternity. In other words, to get help people into heaven. In this way, your generosity stores up a reward for you in heaven. But if you are unfaithful with your worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? Then it goes on to say you cannot serve both God and money. God says, if I can't trust you with material wealth in this world, how am I going to trust you with the true riches of heaven? Folks, money management is not just a good idea. Staying out of debt, investing wisely, giving liberally, and sharing generously, it's not just a good idea. The Bible tells us that it is a spiritual test, 
And God says that if you're not faithful in how you handle your finances here on earth, how is he going to trust you with the true spiritual blessings of heaven? The fifth way that God tells, uh, tests your faith is that faithful people bring friends to Jesus. And this is a hard one, folks, because we come to church because we have troubles of our own. We, we just want to reach out to God and have him help us through our times of trouble. We don't really have time to think about the guy down the street or our coworker or our friends or our family members. But faithful people share their faith and they bring others into their faith. And a good example of this is four guys in the Bible who had a friend who was paralyzed. They knew that he couldn't get to Jesus on his own, but they had the faith to think, if we could just get our friend Jesus, I mean, our friend close to Jesus, then Jesus might heal him and then he will be well again. And this story is told in Matthew 9 and it says, Some men brought to Jesus a paralytic friend lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. And at the end of the verse, it says, Get up, take your mat, and go home. And that's how we know that the man was instantly healed. But according to this verse, did Jesus heal the guy because of the sick man's faith or because of the friend's faith? It says that when Jesus saw their faith, it was on the basis of the friend's faith, not the guy who was sick, that Jesus healed the man. And I have a question for you guys this morning. Do you guys have friends that are paralyzed and can't get to Jesus? Do you have friends who have, are paralyzed by guilt maybe, or by doubt, or by fear, or by worry, insecurities, and they're not going to be able to get to Jesus on their own? The only way that they're going to get to Jesus is if you bring them. But they're not going to get saved, they're not going to be healed, and their life isn't going to turn around until you and I have enough faith to bring them over to Jesus. And when God looks out and sees people bringing people to him, he not only heals them, but he blesses the person who brought them. Do you want blessings in any area of your life? Then test God on this. Just start bringing your friends to Jesus and watch what happens. God will do things in your life, in your finances, in your business, in your health that you could not imagine because faithful people bring their friends to Jesus. You know, there is a great, a great demonstration of faithfulness found in the Bible. And it is found in the 16th chapter of Matthew. And verse 21 of that tells us that Jesus brings his disciples together and tells them that he's going to Jerusalem. And then he tells them, I know what's going to happen to me there. I'm going to be arrested. Then I'm going to be beaten. And then I'm going to be crucified. But I'm going anyway. And then you guys remember what, what Peter said. He tries to stop him and he says, Lord, don't go. But Jesus says to him, Get behind me, Satan. Now, there's a reason why Jesus called Peter Satan. It's because Satan was using Peter to try to get Jesus to quit, to be unfaithful. And again again throughout his ministry, Satan tries to tempt Jesus to be unfaithful by telling him things like, don't go to the cross. Don't die for their sins. Just quit. It's going to be too tough. There will be too many obstacles, too many difficulties. Just turn around and quit. Yet the Bible tells us in Luke that Jesus set his face steadfastly toward Jerusalem. What a great word. Jesus was determined that no matter what happened, he would be faithful to the mission that God had for him to do. So the Bible says that he steadfastly goes to Jerusalem. 
And even while he was hanging in the cross and the people below him were still mocking him, saying, if you really are the son of God, then come down from the cross. That was Satan talking too. He was saying, quit, come down. It's not worth it. The pain is too intense. Those people aren't worth it. The people don't care anyway. Just quit. But we all know what happened. We all know the end of the story. He continued to hang in there until he finally says, Father, forgive them for they not know what they do. And his last words were, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Folks, that is faithfulness. There is no greater example of faithfulness than faithfulness unto death. And the faithfulness of Jesus has inspired the faithfulness of others going through the ages who just hung in there through the good and the bad, through the times of plenty and the times of want. And I know there's a lot of you here this morning that people who were here when this church began over in Isla Palma and in that industrial park, they're the people who built the old church building and sacrificed through the recession to pay for it. They were here praying when it wasn't easy to pray. They were here through the good times and they were here through the bad. There must have been many times where they were tempted to quit, tempted to say, I'm sorry, it's too big of a job for us. I don't want to hang in there. But God called them to be faithful. So down through the years, they hung in there and they were faithful. And guess what? All of us sitting in this room are recipients of their faithfulness. That's a church example, but there are Tons of people who were faithful before you that have you where you are. Your parents, your loved one, your ancestors. Somebody's faithful faithfulness is what has you here today. You know, George Mueller began praying for five of his friends. He prayed five years before the first one was converted. For the next one, he prayed 10 years. For the third one, 25 years. For the fourth one, nearly 50 years. The last one was converted after 52 years at George Mueller's funeral. Would you guys say that George Mueller was faithful even unto the death? We are here on this earth to develop our faithfulness, but how do we do that? Well, in order to answer that, we need to realize that an apple tree doesn't stand in the middle of an orchard and start saying, now, how do I develop apples? An apple tree produces apples because that's what an apple tree does. And when we are spirit-led Christians, then we are a branch attached to a vine who is Jesus Christ. Then we produce a fruit because it is a natural thing to do. We just can't help it. We don't have to sit around and think about it or analyze it or find out how to do it. But we do have to be careful that our branches never detach from the vine or that some disease will destroy our fruitfulness. We develop faithfulness by realizing that temptations are going to come. Just as surely as Jesus was tempted to be unfaithful, we will be tempted to be unfaithful as well in our marriages, in our relationships, or with the Lord or with the church. But that's what Satan does. He will tempt us to be unfaithful. The second way to develop faithfulness is to seek the Holy Spirit's reinforcement and develop regular positive spiritual habits. This is key to our faithfulness because this world we know no matter what it says, we're not it. We don't live in a Christian world. You know, there's a, there's a statistic out there that says that there's 80% Christians in America. But man, everything that we see sure doesn't seem like it. 
I don't think this is a Christian nation as much as we say it is. And we're being pressured on every side to develop negative habits, tempting us to be unfaithful in church attendance and to be unfaithful in our relationships and in our prayer and in our time with God and and listening to God's word. But if we all say one thing and agree on one thing, you know, at the beginning I prayed, there's a, a famous scripture that a lot of people know about that it says, where two or more are gathered together, there I will be. But most people don't know that after that scripture, it says, and what those people agree on, then it will be given unto them if they agree on. So let's all agree on something this morning to all say, get behind me, Satan. Amen. And be determined to serve God faithfully, then people will be able to count on us. We will be consistent and trustworthy and reliable and will develop these habits so that they can be automatically. And when Satan tempts us, we will not be severely tempted because we've developed the habits of faithfulness and we will not quit. Finally, to develop faithfulness, we need to get back up when we're knocked down or when we fall down. You know, Simon Peter is one of my heroes in Scripture, but not because he always did the right thing, because sometimes he made some glaring mistakes, which is probably the part I can relate to. You know, even up until denying the Lord, and then he wept bitterly because of what he had done. But every time he fell down, Simon got back up again. So when it came time to choose someone who preached the very first gospel sermon on the day of Pentecost, which is pretty much what started this whole movement, guess who was chosen? The Holy Spirit said, Simon Peter, you do it. You've got, you have that experience of being down and getting back up again. You made some mistakes, and these people need to know that. They need to hear how vulnerable you've been. But despite all that, God is able to do his work through you. And the same is true for Saul of Tarsus, who became the Apostle Paul who we know wrote most of the New Testament, he experienced all kinds of persecution, all kinds of discouragement, all kinds of temptations, yet he didn't give up. Then came that glorious day when the Apostle Paul wrote these words. And it is the same words that that I read at my mom's funeral. Beautiful words that say, The time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I had kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Folks, one day our hearts are going to stop. We may live to be 60. We may live to be 100. This is a warm-up test. This is a dress rehearsal. God wants us to practice on earth what we will do forever in eternity. We were made by God and for God. And until we figure that out, life isn't going to make a lot of sense to us. Life is a series of problems. Either you are in one now, you're just coming out of one, or you're about to get into another problem. And the reason for this is that God is more interested in your character and faithfulness than your comfort. God didn't put us on this earth just to do a to-do list and check off our, our list. He's more interested in what I am than what I do. The world and his value system we know is fighting directly against that. Yet, it's difficult for us to really get our hands around this concept of faithfulness. We need to realize once and for all who we're going to serve. That is really the key this morning. 
to realize and make a decision for yourself, who will you serve? But until that glorious day, once you make that decision to serve God, until that glorious day comes when we meet our maker and when we stand there, there's going to be happy moments in your life. So I would encourage you to praise God in them. There's going to be difficult moments, so I ask you to seek God during those moments. There's going to be quiet moments in your life, so I ask you to worship God with all your heart through those moments. And we know there's going to be painful moments. That's when we need to trust God. But every moment, thank God and be faithful. Be faithful for that is what he's calling us to do. Will you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we are just here before you, Father. Lord, and we just ask that you would allow us to be empty vessels so that we could carry your word and what you're calling us to do at this time, Father. Lord, thank you for tugging at our hearts. Thank you for implanting in us something that you want us to change this morning. Father, for I know that you are asking every single person in this room to do something different as a result of hearing your word. Lord, and I ask that as you tug at their hearts, Father, I ask that you would come before them and embrace them and reveal to them the area of their life that you want them to improve or change. And if that's you this morning, if you are here this morning and you feel like God is speaking to you this morning about your faithfulness, then I want you to repeat this prayer in your heart after me. It says, Dear God, please use the little things in my life to grow my integrity. Father, help me to be faithful so that I can just come into my own. And God, use my talents to grow my unselfishness. Help me to realize that my giftedness and abilities are not for my benefit, but it is to benefit those around me and to make this world a better place. Lord, those tough times that I'm going through right now, I ask that you would help me to grow in that area as well. Help me not to give up. Help me not to look at the problem, but focus on you and eternity. Father, I ask you to grow my character. And Lord, as people just ask you, Father, I ask that you would come into their hearts and that you would do a work in them unlike they've ever felt before. Father, I ask for your faithfulness and your promises to be true in our life this morning. And as we reach out to you, Lord, that you would just hold our hand and walk us through this process. Father, we love you this morning and we give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory, and we thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen.